0: My name is Jeff Heyshen, and I'm the director of Student Life here at the church. Good morning, and dare I say it, happy fall. Some of you are not ready for that. Uh, For me, summer has been over since the 4th of July, right? Like, I'm ready for bonfires and cider and donuts, and I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Like, I hand grind coffee in my office. Uh, But I'm real excited for the pumpkin spice latte to make it back to Starbucks August 27th, just in case you're wondering. Man, I love fall. I'm excited for football, unlike one of our other speakers who I won't name. When I say football, I'm not talking about soccer. I mean, football, right? Like, I'm excited for fall. And, you know, a big reason I'm excited for fall is I think as a church and fall, you know, Amy just talked about on September 8th, we've got life Fest. I think as a church, we kind of kick it into high gear. Man, we have all of these things launching. We're building up towards the Alma campus launch. There are so many ways for you guys to get involved. I would just encourage you to look for ways to plug in. Selfishly, that same Sunday, September 8th, Student Life kicks off. Our middle school and our high school ministry, man, we have like 100, 150 students who are in the building that evening just having fun and building communities and hearing about God. And so I am excited for fall, right? I'm excited, and I hope that you guys are too. You know, as we talk about fall, there is this thing where we've been spending our summer in the gospel of Mark. Right, we've been talking about Jesus as this man of action. We've been, we've been kind of diving in and looking at him and trying to say, like, God, give us a new lens to view Jesus, to view his ministry, and to ask ourselves the question, what does that mean for us? All right, what does that mean for us as his followers? And so this week, I'm going to be spending some time in Mark chapter 14. Verses 32 through 42 are, are where I want to focus Uh, And I'm actually really, really excited to be speaking to you guys out of this section of verses. Because it's, it's verses that I've read in the past that I've had some questions about. Especially as we look through this lens of the man of action. So let me read them to you and then let's unpack it a little bit. In chapter 14 of Mark, verse 32, it says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. So going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. it is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And there's a lot that happens in this passage. Right, there's a lot that we see going on, but I think for me it breaks into kind of two separate uh, two separate things that I think God has been teaching me as I've been studying and wrestling and thinking through this. And the first one is, you know, as we talk about Jesus as the man of action, we've talked about, you know, for the whole summer, we've talked about how every single thing Jesus does is with intention, pointing him towards the fulfillment of his ministry, pointing him towards the cross, pointing him towards ultimately his death and resurrection and the salvation of mankind. Everything that he's done has led him to this point. And suddenly we see him and we read about him and it sounds like he's wavering. But it sounds like he's wavering. And I know, you know, even as a young man when I read this, uh, there was this question of like, you know, what is Jesus doing? Like he understands the mission that God has for him, but what is he doing? What is he saying when he's saying like, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. So I want you guys to understand, Jesus in this moment understands the mission, the call that God has for him is to step into unimaginable pain, right? He says at the end of that verse, of that section, that, you know, come, the hours at hand, my betrayer is here, and he understands that for him, physically, that means beatings, and it means thorns in his brow, and it means crucifixion, this terrible, terrible way to die you know even more than that for him it means spiritual torment right? it means it, it's, it says that he who knew no sin took on all the guilt all the shame all the sin all the hurt for mankind for all of eternity from the very beginning of time to the very end of time Jesus God who knew no sin, who knew holiness and purity, took on every bad thing that every single human being will ever do. He's stepping into unimaginable spiritual torment. Right? Like, I know my own sin. Right? Like, I know my own shame, and it's criveling sometimes. Jesus is stepping into so much more than I could ever Ever understand. So Jesus gets on his knees and he prays and he says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup be taken from me. Jesus is expressing his human desire to not go through this pain, to not go through this torment, to not go through this agony, to not open his spirit up to the hurt that he's going to receive. And in the very next breath, he says, but not my will, but yours. Right? In his very next breath, Jesus says, this is my human desire, but it doesn't matter because I want to align my human desires with the desires of my Father. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I would prefer. It's not about, it's not about the things that I feel like I want or I need or I deserve, but every single thing is about aligning himself, with the desire and the purpose that God has for him. And it's hard, right? It's hard. I know for myself, I think about my faith uh, and the journey that I walked on, and there's one thing I want to tell you guys this morning is that faith, Christianity, the life of following Christ, it's not always easy. Never promised to be easy. But what it is about is denying ourselves and focusing on God. We have to be more concerned with God's heart, God's call, God's desires than our own. And that's hard. But Jesus is modeling that there. And I'm I'm honestly I'm so very thankful. That he did. I'm so thankful that this is included in the scriptures because Jesus, you know, if you're going to put anybody on a pedestal, it kind of makes sense for it to be Jesus, right? But at the same time, if he was always presented in this way that he never hurt, he never struggled, like, there would be something that would be so unrelatable to him. Here we see Jesus, the man, God, struggling and suffering. And it helps me to understand that when I am struggling and when I am hurting and his hand is on my shoulder and he's telling me that it's going to be all right, that he's been there, that he has walked the path that I have walked, and that ultimately he's victorious And that with his promise, I will be victorious too. Jesus is asking us to align our desires, our wants, with the desires of God. To take a back seat to what God has for us. The second thing that that has always jumped out to me in this section of verses is the interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. Jesus goes, and he's praying, uh, and it says he's in anguish, and he's in torment, uh, and he's crying out to God, and he comes back to his disciples, to his three closest friends, to the people who know him the best, and they're asleep. They're sleeping, right? And I don't know if you, if you know about the, the relationship that a rabbi and his students would have, but But in this time, like, the culture, like, these students are so keyed into their master. They're so keyed into the needs, the desires, uh, what's going on in in their rabbi's lives, right? Like, there's even even record of some of them, like, not wanting to miss a moment and following their teacher, like, when he went to the bathroom. Could you imagine if I followed Wally around like that? (laughs) He wakes up, I'm just sitting in the corner of his room, like, let's go. It would be weird. That's weird. <laughs> but I want you to understand these these men, these three men specifically, should be so keyed into Jesus. And it says that Jesus is praying and he's crying and he's hurting. And they're sleeping. And they're sleeping. I wonder for myself, have I slept on what Jesus has done for me? Have we as a church minimalized what Jesus has done in our lives? Have we gotten so wrapped up in ourselves? Have we gotten so caught up in what we want and the things that we're doing and how tired we are, how exhausted we are, that we have missed out on the greatness and the goodness of Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, I even think for myself, Like, I've been, I grew up in the church, I've been around the church for a really, really long time, right? We just sang a song about Jesus on the cross, and and growing up, like, I heard over and over and over, Jeff, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, Jesus rose from the dead, and I can remember the little picture book Bible that I have showing that kind of in comic form, Uh, and, and it was, it was a kid's story. Right, it was an idea that I heard, but I didn't really understand it. And I, I want you to hear, like, my children, my daughters, I have a 7-year-old and a 4-year-old, like, they have a children's Bible. And I talk to them about Jesus loving them, and I talk to them about how he died on the cross for them. But at some point in their lives, we're going to dig deeper into it. Right at some point in their lives, they're going. To, hopefully, they're going to make the move from this being a children's story, this being a pretty picture in a book, to understanding what Jesus went through for the world, but for them. I remember when I was really getting back and invested in my faith, a movie came out called The Passion of the Christ. And, and, you know, there are lots of opinions and lots of feelings about it. I have lots of opinions and lots of feelings about it. But I do remember that despite what you think about it, there was this eye-opening for the church in America about how Jesus dying on the cross wasn't just a story. It wasn't just a picture. It was agony. And it was hurt. And there's something for each of us about when we begin to wrap our minds around that, we begin to understand God's love for us. What he values us. The things that he's gone through, the 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 extent to which he would go to bring us back into relationship with him. Jesus wept in the garden. He was in torment. He was in agony. This is is even before he was in physical and spiritual torment and agony beyond what we could ever, ever imagine. And his disciples were asleep. So I just have to ask you a question that I've been asking myself for the last few months as I've been getting ready to preach this message. Have we slept on what Jesus has done in our Have we missed out on the goodness that he's spoken into our lives? Have we minimalized it? I think even bigger picture than this, that question of are you asleep? You know, there's a step further. Are we asleep in our faith? Because the other side of the disciples sleeping is they missed out on an opportunity to minister to Jesus. And they missed out on an opportunity to minister to each other. I believe that in this moment, God was calling each of them to something. God was calling each of them to minister, to love, to compassion, to caring for the people around them in a powerful and amazing and unique way. They were asleep. I know for myself, when I need to sleep, there are kind of two people that I become. I affectionately refer to these two people as Sleepy Jeff and as Tired Jeff. Uh, and Sleepy Jeff is kind of goofy, and he's kind of fun, and he's really, really well-meaning, but he makes terrible decisions, right? Like, he's a fun guy to be around, but he's a moron. <laughs> this, uh, this summer, I had the opportunity to lead some mission trips, and, and uh, I was down with my high schoolers in Chicago, and I think it was like our second to last day, and Sleepy Jeff was just hanging out in the kitchen and being kind of a goon, and, and I... I, I I'm going to talk about Sleepy Jeff in the third person because honestly, I woke up the next morning. I thought it was a dream. Uh, but <laughs> Sleepy Jeff gets up. He's like, going to bed. And instead of going to his room, he walks into the boys' room where he's got a couple of students. He checks in on them. One of them goes, I got you a friendship bead. And Sleepy Jeff's like, OK, cool. I like friendship. So he takes the bead. And the other student goes, You got to eat it or it doesn't work. Sleepy Jeff ate it. <laughs> he's a moron. He is well-intentioned, but he makes dumb choices. Tired Jeff is a jerk. All right, tired Jeff only focuses on himself. It's the only thing he can, he can think about in the moment. Uh, and my wife's not here in this service right now, which is probably good, because tired Jeff has made most of his appearances in our relationship during the time that our children were very young. Some of you have gone through this. Some of you are going through this right now. And you know what I'm talking about. When the baby's crying and you're laying there next to your spouse, you're like, if I don't move, they'll think I'm still asleep and they'll get up. And I can remember Ty Jeff laying there one night being so angry at the sound of his beautiful, wonderful daughter crying. That I'm laying there next to my amazing, God-fearing wife who could do so much better than me. And I'm laying there. And there's crying, and I'm like, she's not moving. And I'm laying there, and I'm, like, pretending to be asleep. And I remember in this moment, oh, she's going to kill me. I remember going. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember her getting up and leaving the room, and I fell back asleep. Tired Jeff is a jerk. And those are kind of funny stories and funny examples from my own life. But I know that I have found myself to be both of those ways in my faith. Right? When I stop being intentional about my faith, when I stop seeking after God's heart and I begin to get sleepy in my faith, I'm good intentioned and I'm still fun to be around, I make dumb choices. I make dumb choices as they regard to my faith. I'm not committed the way that I should be. I'm not active in seeking after God's heart the way that I should be, and I mess up. Some of you might be there right now. Some of you might be sleepy in your faith, and you're still trying, and you still have good intentions, but you're making kind of dumb choices. And if that's you this morning, I want you to understand that God is calling you to rest. God is calling you to rejuvenation in his spirit. He is calling you to a refocusing on your faith. I know that at other points in my life, I have not just been sleepy, I have been tired in my faith. And I stopped being good natured and I stopped having good intentions and I just get real selfish and real angry and real mean about the way that I live out my faith. Everything becomes about me. Everything becomes about what's going on in my life. I stop believing the call is to love the people around me, or I stop living it out, or I I only want to love certain people. Can't be selfish in our faith. And I think if you're there this morning, God is calling you back to his heart. The same way that for those of us who are sleepy in faith, God is speaking life back into you. God has a plan for you. God has a calling on your life to minister to the people around you. And when we're exhausted, and we're tired in our faith, we don't do it. I think even beyond that, sometimes we can be asleep in our faith. Sometimes I think as a church, we can be asleep in what God has called us to We talk about here at the church gathering together and growing in groups and then going and living it out. And I think that, you know, I know in my own life that sometimes I have taken faith, I have taken my relationship, which should be every moment of every day of my life, and I have boiled it down to Sunday morning. taken church, which I love. I love being here with you. I love singing. I love worshiping together, but this is not the call of Christianity. We have taken a vehicle to bring us closer to God, to help us express our love to Him, to challenge us, to empower us, to rejuvenate us, to go out and live faith out, and we have made it the only thing that matters in our faith. There's more to faith than Sunday morning more to faith than just saying a prayer and being good to go for the rest of your life Right, I think the challenge for us as I look at this section of verses is are we asleep to what God is calling us to I am a firm believer that God is constantly trying to speak into our lives he is constantly trying to challenge us to change us to call us to something and if we're asleep, we can't hear it, and we can't do it. A few years ago, uh, a few of us kind of got together and asked the question, what does it look like to make disciples? We've all, we, we read some books, and we kind of dived into some tools and some, and some things, and we tried to wrap our minds around what does it look like, through the context of our local church, what does it look like to make Disciples. So by pulling resources from kind of all over the place, we came up with this thing that we call the Discipleship Guide, right? And it's actually available to you on our website if you want it. But one of the things in there that has always stuck out to me that I use in my own life, that when I meet with students, when I meet with leaders, I talk to them about is this idea that God is trying to break through into our lives. God is trying to speak to us. God is trying to call us to something, And a lot of times we miss out on it. So there are kind of two questions that this this little tool has you ask yourself. What is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? What is God saying to me, and what am I going to do about it? Because church, I believe that this morning, I believe that on Monday morning when you're at work, I believe that Tuesday afternoon when you're in line at the bank or you're waiting to buy your groceries, that God will be trying to teach you something about yourself, that he will be trying to teach you something about his heart for the people around you, that every moment is a ministry opportunity, and we just have to look for. just have to be open to hearing from God. We have to be open to compassion, to love, to the call to minister to people, whether they look like us or act like us or eat the same foods as us, whether they go to church or they go to a different church or they don't go to church, whether they don't want anything to do with God or not, every moment God is trying to speak to us, to call us to something, to wake us up. And I want to ask you, what is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Because I'll be honest. If faith is just sitting in a building for an hour on Sunday morning, it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything. I said I had the opportunity to go uh, with my high school students down to Chicago for a week-long mission trip. And I actually took a group of middle school students to Lansing. And and I'll be honest, they were hard trips for me. They were hard trips for me uh, for a couple of reasons. My girls are getting a little bit older. My wife has taken on a lot. And so it was hard for me to leave my family. Then the other side of that is uh, I'm 34 now and a week sleeping on a camp mat. I don't bounce back the way I used to. (laughs) I need just that's a part of it, I guess. But in the midst of it being a hard week, in the midst of them being hard trips, they were amazing trips. They were amazing trips because as a group, we experienced the heart of God for us, for the people we were serving with, and for the people that we served. I saw in my students this outlet for what I believe the church is called to, which is compassion, and it's love. And it's this awareness that to really, really live out our faith, we can't sleep on it. This section of verses has spoken to me over the last few months. It has basically caused me to ask myself two questions. The first is, where do I, where do we need to bring our humanity in line with God's divinity? What part of our life, what area, where do we have to say, God, it's not about what I want. It's not about my desires. It's not about the easy road. It's about what you want. It's about what you're calling me to. And the second question that has caused me to ask is this question Am I asleep in my faith? So I want to ask you, are you asleep in your faith? Because really, honestly, when I think about it, when I think about church, when I think about statistically, there are people. Here in this room, who whether they're going through a season or it's just been that way, that they're asleep in their faith. Right? There are people uh, in this room in our communities who pray to prayer and have boiled their faith down to an hour a week on Sunday morning. And what I want you to hear is that it's so much more than that. That it's so much more than that, and I. I've experienced it, right? Like when I was on the other side of things, I had people who were living their faith out who kept coming to me over and over and over and speaking life into me and loving me and calling me to what God had in store for me, pushing me to wake up, pushing me to align myself with God and his desire. God has a calling for us. God has a plan for us. He has mission and ministry for us to do. But to do it, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up to hurt. We've got to wake up to suffering. We have to open our eyes to the people around us who God loves, who need to understand that, who need to hear it, who need to have life spoken back into them the same way that it was spoken into us. I just want to challenge you. How do you do that? I want to challenge you to listen for the voice of God as he tries to let you get a peek at his heart. I want to challenge you to ask yourselves the question, what is God saying to me? And then sometimes the even harder question, what am I going to do about it? Let me pray for us, and then then we'll go. God, you are so good. God, you are so good to each of us. You love us so much that you sent your son to die for us, to step into unimaginable hurt, to step into spiritual torment, to bring us back into right relationship with you. God, and we know right now that you have called us to something. God, that you have given us purpose, that you have given us passion. And Lord, we repent right now of the times that we have slept on that. God, I repent of the times that I have not listened to your voice, that I have convinced myself that I had other things to do and other places to be, when really the only thing for me to do is to love people the way that you've loved me. God, our prayer this morning is for a glimpse of your heart. God, our prayer this morning is that you would wake us up to our mission. Wake us up to hear your voice. Wake us up to the call that you've put on us. God, we just love you so much and we are so thankful for you. Amen.